From crypto winter to crypto geopolitics, from ChatGPT to AI avatars, from zero-proof identity to CBDCs and new forms of GovTech. Join inventors, artists, musicians, gamers, bankers, policymakers, and rebels for a discussion on how technology is reshaping our world. From our offices in Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast. In France, uh, we are the first, maybe the first country to have like a, a regulatory um, framework. So, and then Mika uh, came. So first it was France. So the situation in France is that crypto are not uh, legal tender, but it's not illegal. And um, in 2019, I think the French gober- government take uh, you know the initiative to to make in, to put like a regulation the name is uh, the pact law uh, and uh, this law introduced a regulatory framework for ICO and DASP what you called in uh, in the Middle East VASP virtual so, asset service provider right yes 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 right Sabrina Meshnan is a member of the Paris Bar, previously specialized in corporate banking and finance law between Paris and Hong Kong. Today, she runs her own law practice, a boutique firm dedicated to helping clients negotiate a raft of new cryptocurrency and blockchain legislation. Now, after the collapse of FTX, it's impossible to suggest there are not bad actors in the crypto and Web3 space. At the same time, questions do remain over some of the new legislation, such as Mika, that is being passed in Europe. Can Europe innovate as well as regulate, empowered by these new laws? Globally, can the same powers that have presided over the existing financial system truly be trusted to regulate emerging digital markets? Sabrina strikes a optimistic note. At the very least, Europe now has clarity, which other jurisdictions don't. At the same time, new technologies such as DAOs challenge the very basis of existing commercial law. Today we're excited to be talking to Sabrina Meshnan, the founder of Meshnan Law Firm. Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us today on the UAE Tech Podcast. Hi, John. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited and I think this is like such a good idea to do uh, this podcast. Yeah, because, Um, sorry I interrupted you, but yeah, I was going to say we haven't really focused on blockchain law and, you know, that intersection of law and technology and I guess it's a big it's a big issue right now. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of change are coming, and uh, maybe first I can introduce myself. So my name is uh, Sabrina, and uh, I'm a French qualified lawyer. For the past two years, I've been working in the legal department in a French bank uh, in Hong Kong and Paris, and then I worked uh, in law firm in Paris before opening my own law firm. And uh, my firm is mostly dedicated to corporate law and uh, cryptocurrencies. And like you said, uh, today, uh, you know, there are like so many changes coming in France and Europe because of uh, the Mika regulation, for example. Mm. So I think, uh, you know, it's a good topic. uh, Yeah, I mean, it is a great topic. And just so you know, I think 
particularly in the Middle East, uh, the mainstream community aren't that aware of some of the global regulations. So if you don't mind, would you be able to just very quickly explain to us some key terms, like what is Mika in, in Europe and what are some kind of the global regulatory changes that are happening around crypto, just so our audience can follow with us as we you know, talk about some of these issues? Yes, of course. Maybe first I can prov provide you with um, like an overview of the legal uh, landscape in France. Because, be you know, yes, in France, uh, we are the first, maybe the first country to have like a, a regulatory um, framework. So, and then Mika uh, came. So first it was France. So the situation in France is that crypto are not uh, legal tender, but it's not illegal. And um, in 2019, I think, the French gober government take, uh, you know, the initiative to, to make, in, to put like a regulation. The name is uh, the Pact Law. Uh, and uh, this law introduced a regulatory framework for ICO and DASP, what you call in, uh, in the Middle East, VASP. Virtual Asset so, Service Provider, right? Yes, 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 right. So also you need to know that in France, um, the Autorité des Marchés Financiers, it's the financial market regulator. So maybe in Middle East, uh, it's uh, you have uh, the also like a financial market regulator. Yeah. In France, it's yeah. Autorité des Marchés Financiers. And they monitor and regulate ICO and DASP or VASP. So also we need to know uh, that uh, there is also another uh, market regulator. It's... Uh, the French Prudential Supervisory Authority, and they oversees certain aspects related to crypto, included anti-money laundering and counter-terrorist financing measure. So this is very important to know this, that if tomorrow they want to um, open a company uh, that provides cryptocurrency services, they will deal with the IMF, so Autorité des Marchés Financiers, and the ACPR. Also, so like I told you, in 2019, uh, we had uh, this French law uh, and they put a legal framework for the DASP regulation. And so it's important to know also that this regulation limits the way to communicate. So if the company do doesn't have like uh, the op optional licensing, they cannot uh, communicate like they want. But maybe we can go through uh, this uh, detail after. And today we have uh, the MICA regulation. And the MICA regulation is an, an European uh, regulation. So it's from the, the parliament, the European parliament. But this law is almost like the French law today. There are like maybe few adjustments, but today it's quite similar. And I think uh, also they maybe uh, improve the French regulation. Wow, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much for that summary. So just very quickly, I suppose one question to ask is how have the French blockchain and Web3 community responded to these new laws and regulations? And do you think it has been 
a positive or a negative response? Uh, I think first, you know, um, when there is a new regulation, uh, people are afraid that uh, the business will change. Maybe they will not be able to provide uh, the services that uh, they they have uh, they had already provided in the past. But I think it's a good way. Uh, from in my opinion, it's a good way um, to to give you know substance to the company and you know to have visibility. Because, for example, in US, uh, they don't have like a regulation. It's not clear. They have a regulation, but still yeah. it's not clear. Not like in France or in Europe. So maybe it's better for a company to come in Europe or in France or in a country where we have a clear regulation than uh, where there is no regulation and someday uh, there is a regulation. So I think uh, France, it's a safe place. And uh, it's a good it's a good thing, and they will accept it because it's not you know very uh, very strict. Because for example, if you want to register your company as a VASP, so I, uh, as a virtual asset service providers, um, since like from 2019 uh, until today, it was not really complicated, you know. So yes, you have you have to, to provide some information. You have to have an MAL policy, but then it was, uh, it was possible, you know? So I think, uh, I think, you know, first, um, like people are afraid when you talk about new regulation, but then they're open to it when, when they see that uh, it's better for the business and, you know, like the consumers, the investor are more confident when uh, you are in a country with a, with a, with a regulation that is clear. Yeah, that is very interesting. And, you know, Americans, uh, American friends, I have often criticized uh, European regulation of mm -hmm. technology, but it does seem as if you're arguing in this instance, the regulation has provided clarity for businesses and allowed them to operate in an environment um, where they have uh, more kind of business security. Um, and they know that what they're building uh, could be built on longer term foundations. Quick question, and I'm not sure if you know the answer, but how vibrant is the blockchain and Web3 scene in France and in Europe? I know Paris has uh, the blockchain week. I think it's at the Louvre. Yeah. And it's, it's very yeah. well attended. But just for our audience again, you know, how do you see the size of the blockchain and Web3 community in France? Do you believe it will grow in Europe? And, and do you think this regulation is playing a role? Yes, yes. I uh, So yes, we had like the blockchain week. We also had like the NFT Paris and many events, um, like free event, like we have a community, a strong community. Uh, they talk like, uh, they talk um, on WhatsApp, uh, Telegram, Twitter, LinkedIn, we have also many podcasts uh, about uh, Web3 crypto. So I think it's a big community and they are trying to move things forward, you know, uh, to try, for example, um, recently uh, we had a discussion with like um, the government about um, a new law about um, the influencer, you know, like many influencers in Dubai, like French influencers in Dubai. 
So, uh, and the, the government wanted to, to regulate this field uh, because sometimes, they, you know, they communicate about NFT project, crypto project, and uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's a scam, like it's a reality too, you know? Yeah. So um, they were trying to regulate this field. And then we had like discussion with, uh, you know, uh, between uh, the government, influencer, uh, crypto um, companies. And then uh, they decided uh, to not do like um, a strict regulation, you know? There is a discussion between uh, the government and the companies, you know? It's not... Uh, so I think... Um... Yeah, no, that 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 is promising for mm. Europe. Um, we're going a bit off the focus on cryptocurrency, but one of our most interesting podcasts actually was an unusual episode with a European central banker called um, Pedro Pinto. And mm -hmm. um, he said that one of the reasons open banking and a kind of uh, EU-wide banking laws were passed was that they were terrified that at some point, Facebook was about to launch a coin called Libra or Dien. Yes. Now that, that project never went ahead. But mm -hmm. what he said was it really sent shockwaves through the banking community. Now, what seems to be interesting about Mika and these, these crypto laws is that it seems as if um, Europe is open to young entrepreneurs and professionals and businesses um, building out these new businesses, building out these new forms of payment online. So do you think we could be seeing the beginning of kind of an emerging wider digital economy in Europe? Or do you think it will still be very heavily regulated and innovation will be, you know, slowed by the regulation, perhaps be very controlled? And, you know, in, in America, it's not regulated, but the pace of innovation is very fast, but obviously mm -hmm. it's a problem. In Europe, there have been very few examples of, you know, breakout digital European innovation, you know, particularly when it comes to competing globally. Do you think that Europe could compete globally or France can compete go globally in the Web3 space? I hope they will, really. I really hope they will. Because, uh, for example, it's true that, the, like I told you, the Mika uh, regulation um, will be, um, like, will improve the French regulation, you know, mm. and also will strengthen the current, for example, the vast regi regime, and uh, like, for example, because we have currently the optional licensing and the reg registration. And for the optional licensing, the company needs to have a capital of uh, 50,000 euros. So now, you know, if you don't have like 50,000 euros, you will not be able mm. to, to provide these uh, kind of services. So... I'm that's, like, you know, I mean, that's very hard in Europe for most young people, yes, right? Yes, yes. Because it's not like the are, States. Yes, yeah. if you are a young entrepreneur, it can be difficult, you know, to, to find the 50,000 uh, euro if you project, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, so I hope that Europe will not do uh, like the past with, uh, I don't know, with Meta, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, and I hope they, they learned uh, their lesson, like uh, we said. 
because uh, we need innovation and for innovation we need like uh, flexibility and uh, like also a bad cost you know like uh, to be open to everyone so i yeah. hope it be but i'm not sure you know about this i can well, tell me too i would love to see your performing in this space. I think that would be really exciting. Um, I guess another area where innovation is happening is the law itself. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about your law firm and what you do generally and some of the problems you're trying to solve for business? Yes, um, like currently, I'm mostly working on NFT uh, project. And uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if you know or not, uh, NFT projects are not uh, under uh, any kind of regulation. There is like regulation, like, you know, corporate law, uh, consumer uh, law, but uh, there is no a specific regulation. So I think it's, you know, a good space, a good spot uh, to, to innovate. So a lot of NFT projects, uh, crypto too. But like I told you, now the Mika uh, regulation is coming. So uh, I can tell that the difficult the difficulties now my difficulties is uh, you know to um, to help companies to obtain like the optional uh, licensing because uh, currently uh, there is no company uh, um, that have uh, this uh, this optional licensing so we don't know really uh, how it it how it going to be so um, you know so yeah. this is the main difficulty for now yeah i'm sure there is there's quite a high compliance burden um yeah. i mean mika is fascinating you mentioned icos and initial coin offerings so are they now legal in europe uh, what are the conditions around those because i know they've been an area of controversy in the past Yes. So now in France, now it's uh, regulated uh, since uh, 2019. And um, so you need, so you can uh, do an ICO without, like I told you uh, in the beginning, we have like the, the Autorité des Marchés Financiers, um, who are, who is um, controlling the, 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 the ICO space. And uh, you can ask for an, an approval to do this ICO, but you can do without them, you know. And um, also, I think um, the space is very, like we have a set of rule for ICO and uh, we are the first to have put in place a flexible and clear regulation about it. Uh, and like I said, such is not the case in the US. Um, maybe you heard about, you know, uh, Gary Gensler, the chair of ICC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, consider that every ICO is a security and uh, that the majority of uh, ICO uh, violate uh, the US uh, securities laws. Yeah. So, you know, in France and also, for example, Qatar, Singapore, Hong Kong, they do not have yet a regulation, but they are trying to put uh, in place a regulation. But what I can say about the French um regulation is that we have weaknesses uh, and the weaknesses now I think it's on the tax law because it's not real clear uh, on how we need to um, to uh, identify you know the tax uh, treatment of ICO because sometimes you need to uh, to pay the VAT sometimes not 
So it's quite um, it's quite difficult to understand now the tax regime and if uh, we need to improve something on the ICO regulation is uh, it's about uh, the tax regulation. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask, why do you think it was France that played such an early role in this regulation? Now, I know there's been a cyberpunk community and a crypto community in Paris for a very long time because I met French entrepreneurs out here uh, quite early, um, you know, many, many years ago who were in this space. But why was France one of the first countries to move into the space early and were the reasons necessary were the reasons all about helping this part of the economy or was it also a little bit about you know france has been very active in trying to tax the digital economy you know and i know there's been a big debate about that in france and at some point uh french regulators tried to push that through so do you think this is a sign of very innovative france or do you think it's a sign of regulatory front so do you think the two are merging i think uh, you know there i think the answer is uh, the both of uh, you know mm. regulatory and also uh, to innovate um because yeah. yes of course they want to you know to protect uh, the consumer but they also want to and they need so to regulate but we need also some space to the innovation and that's why the ico regime for me uh in France, it's quite easy, you know. We don't have like any uh, struggle to uh, do ICO in France. That is great. That is a big, a big shift. Um, I wanted to go back to the law because some of this is fascinating. And to be honest, Sabrina, there's very few people we can talk to about it. So, you know, even some of these ideas of decentralized autonomous organizations, I don't know if they are they are talked about in Mika or French law. But I know from speaking to some lawyers that there's a sign that some of these new Web3 type structures could have legal personality in the future or could be new kinds of legal structures. Do you have any thoughts on that yourself? Yes, of course. And um, actually, I wrote an article about uh, decentralized finance, but it's uh, not available uh, in English. So sorry. <laughs> But um, yes, so DAO, what is a DAO? It's a decentralized, like you said, uh, autonomous organization. And uh, these structures are built on, a, on the blockchain. And the characteristic and the rule of the DAO are set out in the smart contracts. And we can say that we have two kinds of uh, DAO, the algorithmic DAO, like maybe Bitcoin is uh, in some way uh, a sort of DAO. And also, um, the second kind of DAO, um, it's uh, when they use utility token or governance, uh, governance token. And um, I think, you know, technology is uh, reshaping the practice uh, of law and will continue to do it because currently uh, we don't have any regulation about DAO in France or I think also in uh, in Europe, we don't have, but I'm not sure about Europe, but for sure in France, we don't have anything about uh, DAO. Um, and, but we have, uh, you know, maybe you heard about this. It's uh, the Koala organization that draft uh, a model law for uh, DAOs and uh, like uh, they, they, they 
they are trying to find a way to incorporate DAOs in uh, in uh, in uh, in the law. Uh, so I think this is this is great because uh, DAO, uh, you know, the the struggle with DAO, it's uh, that there is a risk, you know, uh, because in France, when you are a group of uh, people. Uh, taking some decision about, uh, you know, a corporation, kind of corporation, because DAO, it's a kind of corporation, but in uh, the blockchain. You, am I right or no, John? Absolutely. And um, yeah. I guess, yeah, that regulating that one's going to be very difficult because the individuals could be all over the world in completely different jurisdictions. So, you know, in Europe, that might be fine if they're all in different European countries. But if someone's in Dubai someone's in New York and someone's in Hong Kong and someone else is in Germany and they're all part of the same DAO and they're all getting uh, paid through the DAO, that's a very difficult uh, jurisdictional problem for lawyers, I would imagine. Yes, and the purpose of uh, this model law is uh, to answer uh, to legal question and to establish like a uniform legal framework at uh, the international uh, level, you know. And uh, also what is, uh, you know, uh, the difficulties with DAO, it's in France, uh, the absence of a legal framework can lead to a risk of a classification of what we called uh, Société Créée de Fait. So in the UK, it's a general partnership and the consequences uh, are, you know, a risk of joint of several liability of the founder. So it can be very tricky. And we have like an example, but in uh, the US, uh, you know, ICC came against uh, one DAO. I, I'm not sure I can, you know, um, give the name of uh, this company. But we have a case when the ICC came against a DAO and said that the funders are jointly and severally liable. So it can be really, really risky. And uh, however, and it's, you know, that's why uh, I really like US uh, for holidays, but uh, for regulation, sometimes it's really <laughs> difficult to understand them because, for example, uh, the ICC considers that a DAO could take the form of a, li a limited, like a LLC, sorry. But, uh, you know, it's, it depends on uh, each, each state. So, for example, the state of Wyoming introduced a bill that defined a DAO like a LLC, but in another uh, state, it's not the same case. And like, uh, in, for instance, we had uh, this company that uh, that pays the cost of uh, of dislike of uh, regulation, you know, lack of. Um... So, um, and now what we can do, even we don't have any regulation, like any proper DAO regulation in France, we can set up an association or a foundation to limit uh, this risk, you know, of um, of um, you know. To be like uh, the risk of joint and several liability of the founder, and uh, yes, so DAO can then contract with other party, pay tax if needed. So this is the solution that lawyer we found for now. But then we need to you know to think about something something else. There's a lot of legal innovation that's going to happen have to happen in this space clearly because the technology is changing, you know, maybe even in future, how we think of what a business is and how a business is incorporated and how people hold shares and get paid 
via smart contract. I am a little curious, how big is the legal community around crypto and Web3 in Paris? Um, do you have many colleagues or is this still a very new practice area? I think it's um, a new practice area. We, they, I think we have a good community, but uh, still uh, it's not like corporate law, tax law, you know. We are quite small. We are quite big, but also quite, uh, you know, small, if I can tell. <laughs> well, you know, if it keeps, hopefully, if it keeps growing at the speed it's growing in um, a few years' time, that, that could change quite rapidly. But Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us on the UAE Tech Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was uh, really exciting. And, and I think this podcast, it's uh, a really good idea. Thank you, John. Thanks again. Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Alboaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Alboaba Business, syndication distribution on Alboaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Alboaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.